So let me tell you about my hometown, Esteli, Nicaragua. The city of Esteli is a world full of colors that match the spirit of my people. The walls of Esteli are brightly painted with colorful graffiti, and the humble homes are close together like our tight-knit community. This was captured by Doug Diaz and Soul Culture Studios, and now is display on this beautiful vase. Nica Rustica brand featured El Brujito, the official symbol of the city of Esteli. El Brujito is a petroglyph that was found in a rock over 6,000 years ago, and it is a symbol of pride for every Esteliano. Nica Rustica Dove is a unique, unpolished Habano experience, and we are super excited for you to try. Nica Rustica Dove, from our house to yours. Flavor Odyssey is brought to you by Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars, and smoking cigars, voted number one in selection and customer service. A Flavor Odyssey. And now from Cigar Dojo Studio Lot B, your hosts, Robbie Raz and Randy Griggs. <laughs> that, was, that was good. That was good. Welcome back. Flavor Odyssey and Cigar Dojo. We are back after a week off last week. We are kicking off segment three of season five. Eric, are you ecstatic or what? I am so ecstatic for the show. Nice. Again, as normal, I put some thought put some thought into tonight, so I'm pretty psyched about my pairing. We'll see how it goes. Oh nice. Randy, how Very are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm I'm uh, I'm excited to be back on the air. Uh, you know, obviously you took off uh, last week and um, we are still without Robbie Raz, uh, but if you follow him on social media, you'll see he is alive, which is good in general to know that he's you know not hurt somewhere. Uh, he's out at Bush Stadium, sending us pictures. By the way, I'm just gonna rat him out right here, right now, Eric. Mm -hmm. He's sending us pictures. He's drinking Budweiser out of a oh. bottle in St. Louis right now, and what it breaks tweet. my heart <laughs> a little bit. Kind of bums me out. Ooh, it is yeah. bush league. Gosh darn it. Uh, but uh, but no. So um, super excited about this. This was all Robbie Raz's idea actually when he realized that uh, that we were in the back half of the year for this season, and uh, you know wanted to go back to Oktoberfest, talk a little bit about the event, German beer, the history behind German it. German beer, you know? yeah. It yeah, no, I, I, most I, German beer in all the world. <laughs> You know, I actually thought about you and was like, how can I channel Jordan's German accent for Randy's read? Oh, yeah. I hope you got that queued up. I, I, that's not coming. I'm just going to tell the world right now. I tried it a few times in the mirror. It was rough. Uh, and I'm not going to put anyone else through that. But, uh, but here we go. Uh, it is the third segment. Segment. For um, for season five, <laughs> and we, we we're we're kicking off with German beers uh, tonight. We are going to be drinking a, a Hefeweizen, uh, the the 
like planned one to drink is the Weinstoffener. Hefeweizen. Weinstoffener. I've been, I've been trying all day, Randy, to figure out how to say that. So thank you for that right there. Yeah, it's just Weinstoffener. Yeah, yeah. Don't don't let all those extra consonants in the middle get, get you chipped up. Um, and so uh, so we'll talk a little bit about Hefeweizen. We'll talk about German beer culture in general. It's honestly a topic I get super excited about. I've spent a lot of time uh, studying it. Went to Munich back in the day to uh, be there at Oktoberfest. And um, I got a story. I got several stories about that trip, boy, I'll tell oh. you. Um, but, but I, wa- but I want to get into PG? this. Are they PG? But they're they're they end up with me in a surgery uh, room <laughs> in Paris. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll do that later. Uh, but I but I wanted to do this first because I haven't opened my beer yet, Eric. Neither have I. And I see I see that you have a a Stein there. We'll talk about Stein. Steins. We'll 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 we'll, t- we'll talk uh, about uh, different glassware of Germany and 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 I'd like to um, as I often do. Take some of everybody's like uh, some of the fun out of the uh, out of the room, as I wanted everyone to know. Das Boot is not an actual term. It was just this one movie, this one time, and it mm. caught on. We're we're, we're going to talk das about Stiefels. Uh, um but but the reason I haven't opened this yet, Eric. Okay. And and I want you to follow along with me. Okay. So uh, uh, Hefeweizen is a is a German wheat beer. Right. Uh, Hefeweizen Hefe actually is the German word for yeast. Weizen is uh, is uh, wheat, so it's yeasty wheat is how uh, this translates actually, and so that you end up with a lot of uh, yeast sediment in the bottom of these bottles. And what is traditional okay. in Germany, if you and I were in Germany right now and we were to go to a a, a little uh, bar and 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 ask for some bottles, they would bring them out, they would lay them on their side on our table, and they would roll them mm. back and forth with their hand to in order to properly agitate the yeast and get that into solution without okay. knocking too much uh, carbonation out uh, in the process. All right, so, so I, I kind of to... carefully I kind of carefully do this, right? Yes, yes. I would lay it down and just just kind of like just okay. r- roll it like roll. this. Just kinda, yeah, just let let it mix up a little bit there. All right, I'm doing it. Uh and and so so uh, we'll get into this. Sexy but the cam. Yeast. That's real sexy. <laughs> look, at, <laughs> look, at me, look at me caress the bottle. Nice. We got to get a little nice. zoom in. You're killing it. Oh, that's it. That's the one right there. Uh, so to, I wanted to kind of kick this off by, yes. by starting with that and, and, and to say that the yeast in this style is very much part of uh, the flavor profile. You know, it, there's a lot of beers that you, you might have, uh, it, American styles, that you might find some sediment in the bottom, but it's not designed to be there. It's not supposed to, uh, you, you know, give you flavor contributions. With this style of beer, the yeast is very much intended to be a contributor to the flavor. Um, keep rolling, rolling, rolling. Uh, so, so you'll see... Um, in my glass, obviously, we'll talk about Eric's here in a minute. That is a gorgeous style oh, we got there. Yeah. Um, but but you can see it, it is turbid. It's um, it's quite cloudy. Um, you know, prior to uh, hazy IPAs, you know, you didn't really see um, many other styles in existence that were intended to be this cloudy. 
Uh, I will say real quick. So Das Boot, I, I one of my uh, soapbox moments. Uh, das Boot's not a thing. It was a fun movie, Beer Fest, uh, by the uh, Broken Lizard guys. I loved the movie. It was a fun bit. The proper term, though, is a stiefel. A stiefel hey, is, 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 a, is a glass boot that comes in either a half liter, a one liter, or a two liter. Oh, uh, and, and in that movie, Beer Fest, it's a two liter that they're drinking out of. And, and and it is a thing that like this bubble hits the so you have to twist when you drink it. It is uh, this whole thing. I've done it in Germany. It's called a Stiefel, though, not a. Not but isn't das, das Boot an, a term for something else? Like that's like a. That is a term, right? Not you, that I'm I've, aware. I feel like I've heard it before, outside of the movie. Okay, never mind. Uh, the only time I've ever seen Das Boot reference is that beer glass, and that beer glass is not called Das Boot, right. not by Germans at least. This um, uh, this. Thing. It, it means the boot. This thing, yeah. the beer, it's a full beer. It's like to here. Yeah. Like, I got this like at one of the Oktoberfests. Yeah. It's four beers, and we would fill this up like a couple times. Dude. Yeah, that's a, that's, a, that's a one liter stein, it looks like, in your hands. Um, and so that's the more traditional these days. Now if you go and, and glass... And go go into like the the invention of glass and and uh, it was Pilsner or Quell that really popularized drinking beer out of um, out of clear glass. Historically, um, beer had all these other funky ingredients in it because they didn't know how to keep it preserved. They didn't know that hops were the best uh, preservation and flavor contributor, and so they they put mugwort and different roots and, and different things to add, uh, add <laughs> <laughs> to add bitterness um to to the beer and so it was it was dark it was brown there was gross floaties and stuff in it and so it was mostly drank out of those um those ceramic steins because there was nothing attractive to look at it wasn't until pilsner quell was first made the the world's first golden beer that um uh, that's what actually popularized glassware uh, as we know it today, so that okay. you, uh, it was for beer, so that you could appreciate the the clarity and the color uh, coming from the malt. Now, Randy, I will say, um, yes. Right off the top, I get some fruity, sort of almost like a plum smell, and, but also oh, you can definitely t- you can definitely smell the yeast um, kind of smell, bready mm-hmm. kind of bready. Um, mm-hmm. No, it, it smells mm-hmm. a bit like a um, banana. Yeah, a little bit mm-hmm. of fruit. Yeah, fruity. That's I guess that's the fruity uh, that I'm getting, but it sort of smells a bit like when you're uh, when you first are making bread and you're mm. you know letting it rise a bit. Uh, it does smell really good. I gotta say, like it smells delicious. Yeah, this is one of the more flavorful um, beers that you, that you're gonna find for uh, from Germany. It's the only ale really mm. that you're gonna find coming from Germany classically. From, you know, when you're talking about the traditional styles um and so we'll, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that but we, we do have some cigars we'll, we'll yes. get into that I, lo- I love your initial takes uh, and that the aroma immediately made you want to start talking about that because it is a very aromatic beer yeah um uh those of you that were able to find i have vice in it and that are pairing along with us please post um uh, uh, what you're pairing tonight, we're going to be, Eric and I will vote at the end of the show on who, who we think did the best pairing out there. Um, so, again, only if you're doing the, the Vice beer, 
if you're drinking something else, it doesn't count. Um, but Jordan will probably still put it up there if he likes it. Who knows? Uh, but uh, <laughs> but gotta, please po- post your I got to have more than berries. one up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Now, fair Randy, enough. real quick uh, uh, before you get uh, uh, going on this, just I'm just curious yeah. because I just tasted this, and it obviously it doesn't really taste anything like an American. Uh, you can tell this is not American, like um, just because – uh, you know, American beers are seem to be more carbonated. This is a little less carbonated, in my opinion. Um, what what might be the differences between this style of beer, like actually from Germany, and ones that are supposed to mimic it here in the states? Sure. So this beer really stands out as a couple different things. So a German wheat beer is made up traditionally of fifty percent wheat which is a ton in America. Usually if you see something called a wheat beer, it has anywhere from 10 to 20% wheat oh, and the rest wow. is still barley. And so we have a pretty low. Yeah. Like when you talk about bourbons and, and the, you know, the different um, contribution of the ingredients that you can, that changes what you can call it. We couldn't call it a, a wheat beer. If it uses as little as 10% wheat, so that's pretty, um, you know, low amount on, right. on the surface, right? Um, and so traditional German wheats will use 50%. Now, the reason that you could never use 50, more than 50% and why most people use significantly less than 50% is that when you, if you ever have a chance to be in a, in a store where there's grain, if you go to a homebrew store, I highly recommend it. Really change the way you think about uh, beer flavor if you really like get hands-on experience with the ingredients. Um, but a, a, a malted barley kernel has a hull, a husk on it. Uh, so much so that like if you chewed it up, it wouldn't break up. You'd have to spit it out where uh, a wheat germ has no husk. And so um, as you, you go through the brewing process, we won't go deep into it or anything, but you need to rinse water through a big vat of grain in a pot. Same way you would in a distillery. You're, you're still rinsing the sugars out of that grain. Well, if you don't have the hulls and husks from the barley, uh, it just turns into just uh, a solid puck of, of gelatinous gluten. You, you know, you can't rinse water through it. And so you need a filter bed. And so what in Germany they'll do just to get to the 50% is they'll add rice hulls. Uh, which are already like pre-processed just to kind of loosen up the bed of, of grain so that it's, uh, you know, penetratable by the water so you can rinse it through. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, I I can tell right now just uh, the first couple sips of this that it's super heavy on those grains. Right? You really get that a lot. It's very, like, expansive. Ex- expands in the in the palate. Like, right when you take a sip, it goes... Well, yeah, the heavy wheat. So, so you get a lot of things. Uh, actually, you know, before uh, um, hazy IPAs, you know, uh, a cloudy or pillowy texture was first used to describe this beer because of the high levels of wheat. You get this very soft, pillowy texture. It's a lot creamier texture mm. than you're going to get with uh, most traditional high barley beers. Um, and then what really, really makes this beer completely different than anything else you've ever tasted is it has a very unique yeast strain that it uses. It's typically called the Weinstoffener yeast strain. And these guys were literally one of the first uh, breweries in the world to, to make this style. 
Um, and they were making it in the 1800s. It didn't really become popular until the 1960s. Uh, it, it was a, a style that had virtually died away. With hundreds of years of history in Germany, it had just virtually gone away until, until the 1960s. And then it had a huge resurgence and became a big, big, uh, you know, uh, part of the global volume pie. But the yeast that they use... Going back to your original comments about what you smelt, uh, Eric, is that this is really unique that it's an ale yeast. It kicks out a ton of fruity yeah. uh, esters, mostly um, known to be banana and bubble gum are really common ones that you're always going to find. And it also has phenols. Phenols are another family of aromatics that can range anywhere from smoky, um, to, to having some negative connotations. There are a lot of home brewers that have phenols in their beer. They probably had a bad fermenter. Band-Aid, uh, Blood, and Copper are, are, all, are all in the phenol family. But this one will have clove and black pepper, um, which are really pleasant. and have some nutmeggy uh, character to it, which uh, is why I was kind of excited that I'm, I'm hoping that this will go well with a cigar uh, if, if we got our pairings um on point because um, this, this should have some of that spice character that we talk about uh so much when we describe uh baking spices and cigars interesting yeah you know it's it, uh really interesting is when when i kind of started getting into the whole craft beer you're gonna you know you go to like old chicago's back in the day you're doing like the world beer tour and all that like the, it, it, all of like the german and english and all of those beers were the the ones that people were excited about and wanted yep. Samuel Smith's nut brown ale and all yep. that kind of stuff, right? And oatmeal stout and and these types of things. And of course, nowadays in the United States, we've kind of forgotten these again. They're almost yep. getting forgotten again, right, Randy? Because now we're so enamored with our, you know, because we're too good our, at making beer. No, now. I don't know that that's true. I think it's just a typical how palates change it happens with cigars as well but it seems like um you know we kind of forget about how fun these types of beers are it's like a, it's 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 neat i'm glad that you guys picked this uh four week segment because it kind of gives us Yo. a chance to get out of the sort of usa style of craft beers which mm -hmm. obviously i love i mean that's my sure. favorite but this is really fun like it is a good beer if you didn't get a chance to oh. get your hands on it uh you should try it it's super unique yeah, absolutely. And and, and I, I'd say, you know, it's a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B, what Jordan said and what you said, you know, because of prohibition in the 1920s. And it's just un, unreal to believe that it actually took us uh, a full hundred years to recover and, and start developing our own beer styles again. But because we lost beer, all breweries were basically closed um, and so when we were able to drink again as a as a people we immediately went to imports you know to your point english german some belgian um those were the beers that were relevant all the way through my youth you know it, it, it was until the 2010s that you know imports were still the 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 prominent volume of beer drank outside of bud miller course you know um, like, like if you were, you know, when, when micro brew was, was the, the nomenclature before we had adopted craft beer as, as our uh, kind of, um, tagline, uh, anybody that wanted full flavor, good beers drank imports, uh, primarily. Right. And, uh, and, and what's great is it, it, you know, we've learned so much from 
the our European uh, you know brewer brethren that they've got hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of tradition in beer and it's such a fun thing especially you know growing up in America how we've seen it where um, it, it, it's actually uh, you know villainized uh, you know in some circles that you know alcohol is a scary thing where it's this like beautiful part of the culture and community in European countries like in Germany um, where you know a 12 year old boy his father and his grandmother will all be sitting around with a half a liter of of ice beer for dinner and <laughs> and it's you know it's totally the norm you know right. you don't see the consumption abuse that we've had uh here in the states because it's just treated as you know it's not this big deal uh 14 15 16 year olds go out for a beer with their buddies after after class in high school and they don't get smashed drunk and act a fool um it's it's wild to see you know when your culture hasn't made it a taboo that you like just learn to behave appropriately yeah kind of uh, like uh wine in italy like that's the way wine is absolutely in italy, like with the younger folk and stuff but it also should be noted that in 1944 we did kick germany's ass so let's hey! we got that out of the way <laughs> i just had i said to make sure that, that was said on Fair the show tonight. Uh, all right randy uh what yeah. cigar did you pick to pair with this delicious German beer? So I am smoking the High Clare Castle from mm. Foundation. Oh, he's um, English. The English versus the Germans. Oh, my <laughs> God, Randy. What are you doing? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I wanted something. You, you know, I mean, my, my Connecticut drawer it has like five cigars in it. Like my, my entire Connecticut wheelhouse is fairly... Uh, narrow and i think i've smoked all those multiple times on the show uh so this is a cigar i haven't smoked on the show i knew it was going to be something a little bit lighter um that but was also going to have some of those spice characters characteristics uh, the baking spices that that i was hoping would uh go well with with the cigar but not overpower some of those fun fruity yeasty characteristics um and so i actually kind of conceded to maybe let the the beer be the the uh, stronger uh flavor but I'm hoping that this will work out to where it's a nice balance and I can appreciate them both and find some synergies uh, between them as I go. All right. Um, I, uh, Randall, um, mm -hmm. I figured, hey, we're doing, uh, we're doing German-engineered beer. How uh -oh. about a German-engineered cigar? Uh, there we nice. go. Ramsit. Uh, is that how you say it, Jordan? Ram Rams no clue. I have no clue. Uh, this is from German Engineered Cigars. I remember really liking this cigar. Um, it, this is the one that Claudio Segroy helped him with, right, Jordan? Yes. It's also a Connecticut uh, Randy. So I, I think um, we we probably you know in our minds sort of went through the same process as to I was sort of thinking the same thing: baking spices, uh, maybe a little brown sugar would go good with this. Mm. Um, so. Um, we're going to see how this goes. Uh, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, it, it, on paper, it seems like it matches. Um, Jordan, what did you end up going with tonight? Uh, I picked the new Sancho Panza, redesigned by Matt Booth, uh, the original. Um, they they reblended, they rebranded all three of the cigars. Um, so now it's got... Uh, I kind of went the same route Randy went, but they... It has a Connecticut wrapper grown in Honduras. Um, it's a little, it's 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 a little darker. This is more, you know, a standard natural hue in a wrapper. So I was kind of going the same route you were going, but it I, it has a, a little more of a darker profile. I feel like 
Okay. This thing's uh, got a San Andreas binder, Matafina, Nicaragua, and Dominican filler. Very uh, nice. Let's, I'm going to see what the new Sancho Panza is. Uh, Matt, real quick, what did you go with, Matt? What did you pick with your uh, your German beer? Uh, I'm doing the Guardian of the Farm Warped Cigar. All right. It. And since I'm not part of it, I'm just going to say it's awesome. This pairing is great. He's already excited about the pairing. So we will Love that. see how that goes. Um all right, so uh, first impression, Randall, do you uh, have uh, any thoughts right off the get-go from firing up your cigar? And Yeah, yeah, so far, so far, so good. So far, I'm getting exactly what I was looking for. Um, it, the cigar has a um, medium, medium minus intensity, so it's not overpowering the, the beer. While the beer is very full-flavored and has this, like, pillowy, silky mouthfeel, it is um, very low intensity. It, it's it's lighter in body. I, I, I'd yeah. say it's it's not. You know, you guys both commented on on the mouth feel, um, which I think um, what I take from that is is you're picking up on the wheat, but it's not like it doesn't have a lot of density to it either. You, you know, so it's it's very silky, but it's also light at at the same time, which makes it like fun and kind of bright on on your palate in general. Um, so far, so good with with the spice interaction um that's working really really nice it was interesting listening to you uh uh talk about the sancho panza um because the um what i'm smoking also has a brazilian matafina binder so we were Mine's really got on the, the same filler right oh, right yeah still yeah still right. has uh, some uh some right. kind of uh, unexpected uh, like you wouldn't think about looking at a at a Connecticut, Connecticut shade cigar and thinking Matafina is in here somewhere. Um, so it's kind of funny. We both landed on that. Um, All right. I w- go ahead. No, no. I was just going to say um, the, the interesting thing for me, I don't know, is because I've had this cigar before and I don't remember this cigar having um, this uh, sort of musky, uh, almost Cuban, Cuban sort of note to it. And I don't know if that maybe it's because the the yeast and the banana sort of flavor of the beer is sort of changing the experience sure. a little bit, uh, but I like what you said, Randy. It, it's this cigar also is pretty fairly mild, mild medium ish at the most, and mm-hmm. this beer is pretty subtle as far as I mean. There's a lot of flavor going on, but it's it's right. not like a big thick mouthfeel. It's only like what five percent alcohol or something, sort of like that. So, yeah. So you you wouldn't want anything too crazy. It would overrun the cigar, and I don't know if you'd want a super strong cigar either. So it could be it could be a pretty um, it could be a pretty solid pairing. We'll have to see how it plays out in the end. But uh, so far, so good. Yeah, this one comes in at five point four percent alcohol. I'm glad you pointed that out. But yeah, it it is it is kind of an interesting um, uh, duality there that you you get a lot of. flavor intensity you get a lot of like mouth texture but at the same time it's fairly low in intensity um uh, all at the same time uh which actually speaking of low intensity kind of reminds me of something It reminds me that at Flavor Odyssey, we're never low on intensity. Welcome, Cigar Dojo, to your favorite cigar pairing show, Flavor Odyssey. Tonight, we kick off the first episode of the third segment of Season 5. 
German beers! In celebration of Oktoberfest, we here at Cigar Dojo would like to say Guten Tag und Willkommen. I am thrilled to announce here on Flavor Odyssey that Drew Estate is doing it again. They are reimagining the way cigars are announced and released to the world. And to support the big news of an all-new premium cigar launch, they will be doing a giveaway to trump all giveaways. Not only does the list of sweepstakes prizes include a Gibson Les Paul Limited guitar, the top prize is a 2022 Black Dodge Charger. You heard me right. A brand new car. You will not want to miss the opportunity to take part in this amazing event taking place on September 28th and attend the live event featured on Freestyle Live. Go get the details and take part in this monumental event at DrewEstate.com forward slash Freestyle Live 2022. And by following them on all social media platforms at Drew Estate and experience the rebirth of cigars. We also would like to thank the sponsor of all the cigars smoked here on Flavor Odyssey, our great friends at Smoke In. Smoke In consistently strives to offer cigar enthusiasts the best possible buying experience. This includes industry-leading customer service, mobile-friendly webpage layout, fast and affordable shipping, consistently affordable pricing, and access to the most sought-after cigars on the market. Smokin's knowledgeable staff is ready and waiting to aid you in your quest to find the perfect cigar. So check out any one of their 11 brick-and-mortar locations or find them at Smokin.com today. Very nice. Nice job. Very, very nice professional. You're so polished these days. <laughs> yeah, what can you even say about You're that? You're so polished these days, Randall. Screws right through it. You know, in a yeah, way, we, I kind of miss the early days when it would be yeah. like, you know, it, it, it was like hit Roller or miss. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> it could be great or it could be a train wreck. Now you've sort of like kind of found a nice little happy place. I give that a, a solid 9.1. Yeah. Nine point. Whoa, whoa! Yeah, thank you, sir. The only bad thing uh, about it was I, 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 I accidentally talked a little bit during it. And I apologize for that. Oh, uh, I don't even, I don't even, I don't even hear it. I, yeah. I, I like black out when I do when I do them in general. The, I was thinking the only bad thing about it is, I think they disqualify any of us from winning the Charger. I mean, what is that about? Uh, it's, like, it's it's almost as if we can't make the Hall of Fame. I mean, I don't know. Oh wow! Salt in the wound. Well, Salt in the just, wound. It's just all the unfair uh, <laughs> things in life, Randy. All the unfair. Things. Uh, um. Hey, you, you know what, uh, Randy Harrison? I agree with Randy. Uh, I you got I gotta I gotta th- throw it out there. I watched the the inaugural event uh, on Smoking on Friday or Smoking on uh, Smoke Night Live on Friday. Yeah. That was so cool. I, I, I'm, I'm in three fantasy football leagues this year, and so we were all doing that this week. I love how you guys timed it. Obviously, you guys were doing your fantasy drafts and, and came up with this, but it was a fantastic 
uh, kind of concept, and I, and I think it's a lot of fun. I, I hope to see it keep going. I want to figure out how we can assign points to these brands and see who, who wins <laughs> over the course of the year. Like, like you got to get points for like new releases or fun like marketing yeah. campaigns maybe or something and see who really wins at the end. But that was pretty solid of Alex to put up yeah. his winning his winning team as a as a sampler on Smoke In and then to really like rub it in Abe's face that he has authority to do whatever he wants. He put the H99 in yeah. as the Drew Estate cigar. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, we plan now to maybe do that like uh, four times a year. And uh, I told Alex um, what we'll do is instead of having him on next time to defend his championship, we'll do this like two or three more times, get three three or four champions, and then have a tournament of champions at some point. What where, if you did like – Where Alex will come back nice. in. and The yeah. amount of check-ins on Dojoverse that mm. each brand got in the oh, there you go between shows. There Something you like go. Yeah, I don't know. We'll we'll keep working on it because right now we're just it was it was a really fun episode of Smoke Night Live and and uh, yeah, got I, lot, yeah, got a lot of good feedback. Yeah, no, I thought it was funny. You guys talked about it on the show that like clearly everyone it was it was a first of its kind. So uh, different people kind of maybe came in with a little bit of a different angle or a different way of how they were thinking about it. Like Coop really really thought he had figured it all out by looking at that week's check ins. But, you know, I'd have been the first to tell them we love Asylum. Asylum's a fantastic brand. And you got to take into account that Meshuggah just came out. And so it's kind of also artificially inflated that week, you, you know, because of that one specific cigar. Like, does that really speak to the to the hype and and buzz of the entire brand? Like. I've got. I've, I'm going to be begging you for an invite to, to oh, the yeah. next one, Eric. I, I put so much <laughs> yeah. thought into that damn thing. I, but, I, just, I've got a if, ton if of. People, if people are listening and they don't know what we're talking about, on on Friday oh. we had a fantasy cigar brand draft, and it was uh, John Carney from LFD. It was Alex Tavella from Smoke In. It was Coop and myself, and we drafted uh, brands um, to make a team, and then the audience voted. So that's that's what Randy's talking about. It was a ton of fun. And yeah, Randy, no. we would definitely have you as a uh, as a guest on uh, an, an upcoming episode of that. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, that was. I cool. I think uh, you know realistically, if you look back at it, uh, my team was clearly the oh. better. Yeah, I I actually I, I actually I'm not pandering because you're my boss. I actually agree with you. Like like you had the best lineup in my opinion. It looked like you had a first overall. I I do. I do think that you should consider. I saw a lot of people arguing because uh, if you didn't watch, um, so y they all picked, and then the, the final round was you get to steal someone else's pick, and and swap off of your roster onto theirs. And a lot of people have come back and said you should have been able to throw up a protection mm. on at least one brand, and, we'll and, and just that. say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I thought that was kind of a, a, a fun idea in general. But I also don't think it was unfair because as much as your first your first round pick might get stolen, you can go steal someone else's first round pick. So it's it's still like evens out if that's how you want to play it. So, right, right, anyway. right. It, that's, you know, that's one of those things that we, uh, you know, in a way that kind of it, the protected thing sounds fun, but it's also kind of wimpy. It's like, yeah, oh, come on. Now we're. Now we're like just uh, trying to make it too easy, but we'll see. We'll see how the uh, sure, next sure. the next one comes around, 
couple few months from now and we'll we'll do it all over again at some point so yeah i love uh, it okay well uh one thing i did want to say before we start talking about the pairings is i think we're we're about that at that point um where we need to you know talk about this um and i'll talk about this more in the in the next few weeks that we continue on through um our, our, our German beer expedition here on Flavor Odyssey. Uh, the Bavarian Hefeweizen was a kind of interesting one to start with because uh, German beers are almost exclusively lagers, except for this beer. Uh, dating back to the 1516 purity law, um, Rhein Heitzigabot, uh, actually it dictated not only and a lot of people that know what Ryan Heitzigabot is or it's it's often referred to as the Bavarian uh, purity law or German purity law uh, there was a law in 1516 that that stated that you could only use barley water and hops to make a beer uh, this was uh, done for several reasons um, uh, as I was saying earlier mugwort um, uh, and different herbs were used some of them having psychedelic properties yeah, um, maybe. and well it was frowned on by by the government at the time of like you're ruining beer that's not what beer is supposed to be and uh and you're also making it to where it tastes like crap and so what a lot of people don't understand is not only was it an ingredient law it also stipulated that you could only brew between the months of september and march now, and, and that is what Oktoberfest is, even though if you Google it, I'm sure it'll tell you about it started as this wedding party for the king's daughter's uh, wedding, which is true. What it's become in German uh, culture is it's actually the kickoff of brewing season. That's what Oktoberfest is today. And the, the beers that they brewed in March, they, they lager and they store in caves over the summer months. And the mayor of Munich comes and taps the first keg. And that's when they start drinking last year's bounty and, and, and beers. And they start brewing again. Um, and so they brew all through the, the fall, winter, and spring. And they are legally were not allowed to brew during the summer. Now, again, that was in the 1500s. It wasn't until the 1700s that Louis Pasteur uh, identified yeast and leading to the uh, invention of the microscope and understanding that yeast is fermenting. And the reason they were brewing bad beers in summer is because there was all this bacteria um, getting into the beer and making it go uh, sour. But I kind of just love the at, at its core that they literally they didn't understand why bad beer was made in July. So they just made it illegal to make <laughs> beer in July. <laughs> kind of freaking awesome. Just it shows where where they right. where their priority for beer is in their culture. <laughs> now a lot of people don't know, Randy, that um, if the mayor uh, woke up with a hangover, that meant there'd be six more weeks of winter. And if you didn't, I don't know. That's a very, it's a very little known fact. I'm just throwing that out there. I got, you know, I got some beer knowledge. I like it. I like it. Little, little what, what was that little gopher's name on the, on the. Puxatani Phil. Puxatani. That's it. Puxatani Phil. That's the one. All right. Now, um, now, wait, wait, Randy. Let's get back to you. Let's get back. You said they lager the beer. Explain, explain that. The word lager is the German word for to store. Um, so it, it to a lager beer, we, we talk about it, and Robbie likes to make jokes about uh, 
uh, top fermenting and bottom fermenting. Yeast exists in every milliliter of beer, uh, you know, from top to bottom. And so uh, to lager beer just means to cold store it and it allows it to condition for a longer period of time, which allows uh, a different yeast um, species to do the fermentation. And so they, they work much slower than ale yeast. They produce much less of those esters like we were talking about in this Bavarian Hefeweizen, um, where we get that banana and that bubble gum and that strawberry character from the yeast. You wouldn't get that from a lager yeast. Lager yeast is known to be really refreshing and clean versus an ale is known to be fruity and full flavored. And okay. so, um, so, so German beers, and I, I, I have here, I decided I was going to triple fist tonight. Uh, it, it, it was kind of blasphemy and I wish I had caught it. Like you said, uh, and, and I give, uh, I applaud Robbie for his efforts in picking these four beers and choosing, um, this segment. It, it was kind of blasphemy that we didn't kick it off with a, uh, German Pilsner, uh, which is the classic, number one volume style beer consumed in really in the world, uh, but certainly in, in Germany. So, so a classic Pilsner is, is the more common uh, beverage and, and falls in line with those lagers that, um, that uh, they're, they're so well known for. Um, but the Bavarian Hefeweizen is a fabulous ale that, that comes out and is like the one it's because of that yeast strain again. It's a completely different yeast. You can't put this yeast in an IPA and not have it taste like this. Like every beer that you put this yeast in is going to taste banana-y. It's going to taste, taste bubblegummy. It's very, very unique and always creates this flavor profile no matter what. Now, do we, um, do we use these same yeasts in anything in the States, or is this something unique to... If... if no, not not a lot, not a lot. Like there, there's a lot of wheat beers um, brewed. Um, what, what's the one? Um, uh, Widmer Brothers is a big national brand here. That's an American wheat, and a lot of people don't understand that because because of marketing, they liked the word Hefeweizen, so they put Hefeweizen on it. But it's an American wheat, so Hefeweizen should always indicate German. And should always indicate 50% wheat and this very specific yeast strain. Um, so you don't see it nearly as much. You see an American wheat beer, again, 20% at most wheat, American strains of yeast that don't produce those heavy fruit esters uh, that we're tasting here. Is it, is it, is it, um, maybe I'm wrong because it's been a long time, but is it Blue Moon by Coors, the one where you pour it and then at the end you kind of like mix up? The yeast sure. at the bottom of the bottle, and then pour it, and then put the orange. So, is is it blue? Is that the one? That's blue moon. You're, okay. you're you're nailing it, and and there is a very strong similarity between Bavarian wheat and Belgian wit, which is what blue moon is. So that's a Belgian kind of take on this style. Okay, but they actually manufacture some of those characteristics by literally putting orange rind mm. and coriander into the beer so they manufacture that spiciness and that fruitiness because they're using a different yeast strain gotcha. but it's also a wheat beer um and and they are very like similar in in makeup and, and overall flavor profile okay cool very cool interesting info i did not know that about this beer uh at all so you're you're doing the pilsner too now you said you're triple fisting. So what all do you got there? You got that. You got the the beer of choice for tonight. You got the pilsner, uh -huh. and what else? Uh huh. I'll give you one guess. Bourbon. 
Mictor's Rye. Ah, okay. right. I, I actually do have some old Forester 100 here, too. So. Nice, nice. I can't, I can't blame you for that. Uh, yeah, beer, yeah. beer and whiskey are great together. I mean, let's, let's just... Yeah. You know. Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you mix in an extra beer or, or beverage yeah. or two on, on, on the table? Um, so, actually, let, let's go in yeah. reverse order. Let's, uh, Jordan, you want to kick us off and tell us how your pairing is going? Uh, it's it's pretty good. Nothing special. Um, cigar is, I'd say, medium bodied. Um, started out doesn't doesn't start out very very good. Uh, <laughs> pretty bitter, uh, almost harsh on the palate. Um, I've had a couple. Mm. Of these. You're talking about the cigar, Jordan? Sorry. I'm talking about the cigar. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I've had a, I've had a couple of these now. Um, and they seem to always start that way, but they they kind of pick up, add a little bit of sweetness, and the spices start to become a little more interesting. Um. The beer actually brings out this like kind of uh, I wouldn't say sharp, but like this this sharp this, not sharp uh, this stinging clove kind of a note in the in the retrohale that is is pretty tasty. Um, it also has like a, a semi sweet kind of milky creaminess to it uh, that goes along with the beer pretty nicely. Uh, I would uh, it's not like a you know outstanding thumbs up, but I would get I would recommend it. I'll give it a thumbs up. All right. Uh, real quick, Matt, how's your uh, how's yours going? Just uh, bounce in with you real quick. Oh, man. This is like one of the weirdest pairings I've ever had. It's so good. The beer is like <laughs> uh, like a banana custard, and the, the cigar is like the cookies to make a perfect banana Ooh. pudding. Oh, nice. It's so good. I love it. Remind me of your cigar again real quick. It's the Warped um, oh, right, right, right. Guardian. Guardian of the Farm. Gotcha. Good. All right. Going good. Yeah, so, uh, all right, I'll go. Um one weird thing that I've noticed about this pairing is, and I don't know if it's, the, I've had the cigar. I don't remember it being this way, so I'm assuming that maybe it's because of the pairing, but I get literally almost nothing on the retrohale on the cigar. Like, um, I do get a nice flavor just in the draw in my mouth, um, but almost nothing on the retro at all, which is kind of weird to me. It's a little bizarre. Um, I'm assuming that maybe that's because the beer is pulling something out of there. Uh, maybe. This beer is really fun. Like, I got to say, like, I'm, kind of wishing now that i hadn't uh just gone 100 percent into hazy ipas for the last three years because it's fun to try a different beer now and then yeah. randy and you guys kind of forced me to do that this is really excellent like i love the banana sort of note in this mm -hmm. beer um the pairing itself it's pretty good um i'm kind of i'm kind of guess i'm kind of with jordan uh where i i like it i don't know if i love it um I'd give it a thumbs up, but just sort of barely a thumbs up. Yeah. Um, I I kind of miss some of the baking spice that I that I know that this cigar has in it. Um, and when I have the when I have the bourbon, Randy, I I can get that ba baking spice. So maybe that banana note is just um, or that malty maybe flavor from the beer hmm. um, is pulling knocking is, it out, is, huh? knocking it out a little bit. Um, so that's a slight down note, but. Overall, I like this pairing, and I'll tell you why. There's times when you're, um, like, fall. Like, it's fall, right? We're coming into fall pretty close here in a couple weeks or a week or so. Um, this just feels like a fun fall pairing to me. I can see, you know, some banana bread, or I mean uh, some pumpkin bread. Maybe, you know, you're carving, you're carving some jack-o'-lanterns, and you pour this beer, and you got this cigar, and you're on your back porch, like, that to me seems great. Like for that, yeah. for this time of year, it's a super, super fun pairing, but I can only Randy give it a, 
a thumbs up, but just barely, like, uh, just only because it's it's solid. It's just not great. Don't you think it's weird? The beer is like so balanced that, like, like I was talking about earlier, really expands on the palate. But at the same time, I think it's because we're used to the hops and in the mm. juices that it doesn't. It almost comes across as flat, even though right. I think totally. it's just because of the juxtaposition. Of the two, yeah, no, I'm so glad that you said that, and it's something that I uh, I I missed sit, talking about more and talking about this style is that you know when Eric asked in the beginning how to differentiate it from American styles, American styles go very hop, not just hop forward but bitterness forward, and this is on the other end of the spectrum of right, that. They right. add just enough hops, just enough that it's not sweet, but not enough that you can actually perceive any hop aroma or hop flavor or barely any bitterness whatsoever from the hops at all it's just enough to just temper the sweetness from the malt and the and the wheat um so it's it's one of the least hoppy styles that you're ever going to drink and to your point eric you know so many of us myself included we've we've uh, you know acclimated our palates to to the tactile sensation of bitterness uh, be, uh, through hops every time that we drink beer that it, it can often almost come off like the beer is is flabby or missing something flabby well, yeah what, what do you mean <laughs> so it, it, well if it doesn't have a sharpness i think flabby is is a term that we use a lot in beer if if it's lacking and and sharpness can come from different things. It can come from bitterness. It can come from acidity. Um, and and this beer has that weedy, just kind of nice bready, mm. you, you know, note to it that doesn't have any sharp points, which we become so accustomed to by drinking IPAs every single day of our lives. You know, um, and so um, it's not flabby to me. I my my point my point is is like. We can overcorrect because we've become acclimated to that sharpness that right. is lacking in this beer. Um, for me, uh, going into my pairing a little bit, uh, it, you know, I, I, I almost want to steal something from each one of you that you said. Uh, I love what Matt said, and I could totally see that with the Guardian of the Farm of that, like, um, that graham crackery note. I don't have graham cracker in mind. Um, the high clear to me has this um, bread crust kind of toasted bread note that is very much um, going awesome with the with the wheat character in the beer. Um, and so um, I totally see I could totally see that guardian of the farm being a little bit more graham crackery than than just bread toast bread crust um, and and that being really pleasant. Uh, it also has great cabinet spices. This cigar is really, you know, we don't talk nearly enough about this uh, project that uh, Nick did with High Clear Castle because um, this is really, really freaking uh, flavorful um, while being um, a mild cigar in, in overall intensity. It's got a lot going on. It's got a lot of flavor. It's got those spices. It's got that toasty character. Um, and it's going really quite perfectly with my beer you said fall beers i want to take it back to maybe like springtime like this is a refreshing mm. it's too hot to be like you know just sitting there with a with a, a a maduro and a whiskey i want something a little bit brighter a little bit more refreshing on a hot day this is a perfect like afternoon at the park in the backyard like goofing around um type pairing 
that is very, very enjoyable. Neither one are detracting from the other. Um, and, and while they don't necessarily like overall enhance to a point where like one spice is making the other spice more intense, they're just very similar in nature. And so there's this like perfect just uh, extension of my smoking experience and my drinking experience going on. So this is an absolute thumbs up pairing for me. Nice. Um, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. All right, uh, Jordan, should we look at some audience pairings and see if... Can't see anything anymore. Uh, <laughs> we'll pick so, we'll pick a, uh, a winner. How many do we get? Do we have... All right, All right I've got seven. Whoa. Seven, wow. Se apparently I've got seven. Jeez. Okay. All right, good. Um, we've got Barry. Barry. Barry is drinking the... <laughs> Say it one more time, Randy. Vine Stoffener. Vine. Okay. So he's a, Vine He's got a uh, with a champagne dojo tenth. Okay, I think that would be a really good. Oh. I think that would be. Great, you, throw, you get the buttery call, note. You get the buttery note with yeah. that champagne. I like how Bill Powers. He doesn't even try to say the beer. He just says the correct beer. <laughs> with <laughs> Agonorsa Leaf tabs of Connecticut. You know what's interesting, Randy, is how many folks chose Connecticut. Like, uh, yes. that's that's uh, sort of interesting that people were thinking along the same lines as us. Yeah. Uh, all right. Oh, no. Uh, so so uh, Barry and, and Stephen Moses have the same same pairing. Okay. By the way. All right. Um, so then we got um, we got Mike Harvey paired with the Aladino Habano Vintage. It's okay. like drinking and smoking Habano a loaf of bread. Okay. All right. I like mm. that. Nice. Adds a little flavor note in there. Uh, and then we got... Uh, we got John pairing a Weistafna. What, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. With the Perdomo Reserve 10th anniversary champagne, but he's not doing the dojo. Okay, so we got three guys doing that. Okay. <laughs> uh, we got Kevin O'Connor with the Illusioni Epernay. Ooh, that's a. Not bad. Nah, I, I like bad. the sound of that. That yep. That cigar could offer something interesting to this. Uh, oh, and I just threw uh, party? This, this crazy Matt Hall guy in there. He's got the <laughs> Guardian of the Farm, Selexium de Wurpe. Okay. Nice. Um, I, I kind of like, uh, I'll just say right off the bat, I sort of like the Epernay. Uh, I sort of like the Epernay combination there. I think that might be a fun combo. I, I think I lean, no. I think, I, I mean, obviously the, the, the Perdomo, but we had three guys doing that. So um, I sort of feel like maybe that Epernay would be a fun, uh, fun one to try. What do you guys think? I also like uh, the the innovation. I, I love. First of all, let me just say I loved all those. I love that everybody got into the spirit of it, or, or that a handful of people got into the spirit, found the right beer, and yeah. figured out pretty quickly uh, the wheelhouse as far as the right. intensity that they were looking for. That being said, and and I'm just gonna like go left at Albuquerque where I'm probably not supposed to because he like is part of the show. I've got to give my vote to Matt Hall. Uh, I, 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 I actually totally love the graham cracker reference. I know the cigar he's smoking very, very well. And I uh, love the idea of that actually enhancing um, the the overall, like, um, right. you, you know, what do I always say? You know, the, the sum is greater than that of its parts. Uh, I, I think Matt did that in spades. I love the Perdomo um, one for all three of the guys that did the Perdomo, but my vote's going to Matt Hall. I can't argue with that. Uh, Jordan, what do you think? Uh, I could go 
either the Champagne or the Epernay, but it wouldn't. You know, I don't want to have three different choices, so I'll go Not, the Epernay. I think we could have three different choices. Three different there could choices. be three different well, winners. I actually, I actually like that. It's like yeah, if yeah. we were doing a giveaway tonight, I'd have to be shipping to three people. So I'm glad we're <laughs> not doing it tonight. <laughs> you know what's but great what's, job, everybody. Thank you guys for for joining in. Hope you guys uh, were introduced to something. Yeah. To Eric's point. You know, pull something off the shelf that you probably wouldn't have any time in the next year or so uh, and, and revisited this amazing style of beer. I feel like, Randy, this audience, this Flavor Odi- this flavor Odyssey audience, that's kind of hard to say, this Flavor Odyssey Odi- uh, I can't say it. <laughs> flavor Odyssey audience. Try saying that uh-huh. three times. This audience is, if they feel like they're really coming along. Not, I don't mean that in like a, a, a bad way. I mean, if, I feel like we're all sort of learning together and kind of picking yeah. similar things. Like, like we right. didn't get any weird, like, Oh, I'm doing a, you know, a crazy, uh, uh Neanderthal, super strong. Like <laughs> everybody's kind of understanding these pairings pretty well. Like that was a tough, yeah. you could have really picked any of those audience pairings. And yeah. I think yeah. you'd be fine. Yeah. N- none of them seemed like misses at yeah. all. Absolutely. No, I love it. So it. how did fantastic. how did me and Randy uh, do, Jordan? Well, we did something like this. Did you remember to do the poll? Oh my goodness! Oh, Randy oh. just absolutely I, slaughtered, crushed. Well, I I was gonna tell you, Eric. Even had you won, I'd have told you like go try it with this one. <laughs> like they, they say, I know you've got a high clear castle in your collection somewhere. This actually worked out really well. So nice. uh, kudos to the audience for uh, voting for what was clearly the best pairing. <laughs> I think the audience really just wanted to see Germany and England get along finally. You know, that's really, that's really what it came down to. I was it's just, been 90 years, Eric. Yeah, I was just move way, on. way too, much, too much Germany in my pairing. Just way too much Germany in my pairing. So as a reminder, folks, if you're watching the show, I picked the German-engineered uh, Ramziat. Uh, Randy went with the High Clare Castle. It was the Connecticut version. Jordan did the Sancho Panza. Matt did the um, Guardian of the Farm. So uh, those were our pairings. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed that show. Randy, what's coming up uh, in the next couple weeks here, my friend? Well, I, I, I think rumor has it. I'm finally going to get my partner back. And Robbie Raz is going to uh, join us next week as we continue our expedition through German beers. And we will be drinking a Dunkel. Uh, we will be specifically drinking the Kloster Barock Dunkel. Uh, but anything that you can find that says Dunkel on it, I will tell you. And Bill Powers, if you're still uh, tuned in, I was going to follow up with you. You do not have the right beer. Um, yeah, because it, it turns out Bill Powers went and found the Kloster Doppelbach Dunkel. Dunkel just means dark in German. So they actually apply that term to other styles. But there's actually a beer that is within the style Dunkel. It is a dark German lager. Um, really, really fun beer. Going to be super excited to talk a little bit more about um, that style next week. Now, Randy, Randy, we, Randy, wait, just yeah. real quick, just to interrupt you. Sorry, but uh, right. to to give guys maybe a little head start with that uh-huh. beer, can you tell them? You know, give them a couple hints as to what they might experience with that beer, so maybe they you know pick a cigar that goes accordingly well. 
Yeah, everyone's gonna love this. It is a it's a amber lager. It's gonna have more caramel malt to it. Mm. So something a little bit sweeter, a little bit more of a caramel characteristic. Again, staying with the German lagers, n- virtually no hop uh, uh, aspect to it at all. So think caramel and bready. Okay, sounds delicious. Yeah. I've had I've yeah, had is, I've had them in I'm the past, but uh, I don't know if I've had. I can't remember having like an uh, authentic German one. I, I, I maybe I have, but uh, I'm looking forward to that for sure. Randy. It's been a minute. Uh, uh, well, to, to your point, you know, I, and stores carry them less and less. Like these used to be the beers that we'd find at our grocery store at the King Super for you, at the Publix for uh, or the uh, or the Kroger's for the rest of the country, and uh, you know because. IPA has done what it's done. It's now pale ales, IPAs, hazy IPAs, and double IPAs uh, dominate 80 to 90% of the, the cold box. So you are probably going to have to find a like specialty high-end uh, beer bottle shop uh, to find these. But the uh, the okay. Dunkel is is going to be a fun one if you can find it for next week. So it's Dunkel, not Dunkel. Dunkel. Okay. I, 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 try, I try and... You know, do yeah. do the proper pronunciation. No, I, w- I want to be. I want to be right. I, I'm. I'm appreciating. <laughs> be right. Lodi, Lodi, what you know, Lottie. <laughs> you don't have to try to be right on that one. I, I want to be right, so I'm, I'm. That's why I asked. You were saying it different than I've heard it, and I want. I want to be right, so it's Dunkel. A Dunkel. Okay. Cool. Um, fantastic. So congrats on the win, Randy. You you deserve that oh. one. You, and you absolutely crushed me tonight. It wasn't even close. It was crushed. It was. Uh, it was a blowout. Well, thank you. I appreciate everybody for uh, joining in. I'm glad you guys found the beer there locally. <laughs> and and hats off to Matt. Matt, because it's you, maybe I will send you just the tiniest little, little like love note with, with a little something <laughs> in it. But uh... <laughs> Now, Randy, we got some exciting news uh, Friday, uh, two days from tonight. Yes. Uh, we have none other than Lenny Eckstein from Deer Hammer Distilling Company. Uh, he's going to be in studio, and we're going to be talking – He's a master distiller. Uh, Deer Hammer is is a, a very popular up and coming brand from Colorado. He is sort of known as being like an innovator in the industry, and he's really um, his specialty is single malt stuff. And so, but he makes rye, he makes bur- regular bourbon, he does a bunch of cool stuff. So it'll be fun getting to have Lenny here in studio to you know talk about the challenges of being a small distiller uh, in Colorado. Um, and, you know, how does that come? By the way, at Rocky Mountain Cigar Fest, the Deer Hammer, in my opinion, when because I, I was tasting all the different Colorado uh, whiskeys and stuff, the Deer Hammer was my favorite one. It was really, yep. really solid. And uh, we're also going to make uh, Lenny do some blind tasting and see where he rates Ooh, some nice. uh, some other, you know, whiskeys and, and see just test his palate a little bit. You know what I'm saying, Randy? Nice. So that's uh, Friday night. Do me a favor, if yeah. I can. Um, throw throw you a, a, somehow you got to find a way to challenge because I'm curious about this. I've never really talked to a master distiller about single malts. Is it as as obvious of a flavor difference? The way we talk about tobaccos, you know, when we bring in some of the best blenders in this industry, they talk about how a Corojo ninety nine Jalapa in this lot or this mm. farm it tastes significantly different than it does two miles down the road from a different farm, but it's the same varietal technically in the same Valley. Do you experience that same kind of nuance 
in barley when right. you're working with a single malt? Like, does it matter? Does he go out and seek those specific lots and work with the farmers to like source his grains that he's going to use for those? I've always been curious if that's right. parallel or not. All right, I will definitely ask him that question, Randy. <laughs> All right. Well, fantastic. I appreciate the opportunity to do that. And uh, thank you, everybody, for joining along. And come and join us again next week as we continue down our expedition of German beers. Oktoberfest. The Kloster Dunkel for Oktoberfest. And we'll check you next week as the Odyssey continues.